being intentional in our relationships is super important along your journey. And then giving yourself a little reward along the way too, because like you said, and like we were talking about, what's it all for? You know, when you pull into the driveway and you're super stressed out, you've had a really tough day, don't freaking go in the house, you know, sit there for five minutes, breathe. Remember this, that tough day was so you could go in and have a killer time with your family. So just go in and have a killer time with your family. Welcome to another episode of the Financially Free Investor, where you will learn information and strategies on how to become financially independent by investing in real estate, something that is not taught openly in our society today. Financial freedom matters so you can live a bigger life, retire early, and do what matters most to you. Get ready to hear tried and true methods to becoming financially free with your host, Jordy Clark. everyone welcome into another episode of the financially free investor i've got a guy who is quickly becoming a good friend of mine um patrick colonane how you doing patrick doing great how are you doing good i'm i'm great i'm excited to learn more about you and to let other people kind of hear your journey cool what do you want to know man well let's jump in maybe uh give us the 5 to 7 minute version of of your story and and we'll go from there I don't think I have a five to seven minute version, but I'll just get going and then you can interrupt if you start nodding off. Um, yeah, I mean, I started, went to college for three and a half years, majored in bar games. I'm really good at darts, foosball and pool. Uh, didn't go to class very often. Uh, I think I left there after three and a half years as a sophomore still credit wise, but I, I kind of always knew that I wanted to run my own business. And uh, so and I was paying for a lot of my own college myself anyway. I just, I hated the prerequisite classes, the stuff that they, I had to go to. You have to go to this if you want to be a business major. You have to do all these classes first. And I think I dropped accounting three out of four times. And the fourth time I actually forgot to drop it. So I'm actually one of those people that everybody dreams, oh my God, I forgot to drop a class. So I did that. And then I moved out to Park City, which was a great way to extend college life by living in a ski town. And I worked construction and built houses and learned all kinds of different, pretty much all the facets of, of construction. And I framed, I did siding, I did finish work. I even did installed uh, culture marble for a while. And then I, I started my first business, drop shipping international mail on small packages um, in Salt Lake. Uh, that's another story in of itself, how that happened. But basically I was up to my knees in the snow and somebody asked me to go down and answer phones until they could hire a new sales guy. And I went down there and I got bored. So I started making calls and I closed a couple of accounts. And so they gave me the job and, uh, and that company was called SkyMail International. I think it's still there. I sold my share of that to my partner and uh, got married and we moved to Kansas City. And I lived there for about five, six years. And uh, we had, my wife had a son at the time when I married her. And so I adopted him and then we had one child between us. And uh, in Kansas City, I kind of floated around a little bit. Then I got back into the drop shipping and I started a, a regional office there for a company called RMX. And uh, they were eventually bought by UPS. And um, so I actually worked for UPS for about a year and couldn't stand the corporate and got out and left a little equity on the table and we moved back to Salt Lake 
I got back into shipping and freight and consulting and that kind of thing. And I built another business up there somewhere in the middle of that. So we've been married almost, it was a month before our 10 year anniversary. My wife sat me down and we, I'd been doing a lot of sweat equity in the company that I was working with and the partners that I had. So I wasn't making that much money and she had a high powered corporate gig, just never really understood the entrepreneurial path. Um, she was all about W2s and, um, stock options. I didn't get a lot of credit for anything that I was doing. She's like, well, you're home all day. Why don't you do this and do that? And then she got pissed off because I was like, look, I got to focus on what I'm trying to build here. The neighbor said that she'd watch our kids after school for a couple hours. And that gives me a little bit more time. So she kind of got mad that she needed a nanny when she, her husband was just sitting at home all day. And in her opinion, playing video games. So uh, that, that wasn't what was going on. Um, month before her 10 year anniversary, she told me she wanted to split up and just try it on her own. And so we did that. I spent about six months being pissed at her. And then the other six months, I was like, okay, well, what, what did I do wrong? Oh, by the way, it should, I call it, she took a knee on like the one yard line because that June, I actually really started making good money. So I was pissed off that she didn't have any faith in me. And that, you know, she wanted to call the relationship quits when I was just getting ready to kind of turn the corner. And so I like signed the house over to her. I gave her everything. I'm like, all I need is my car and my baseball card collection. And then you can have everything. And so I'll even use your lawyer. We did that. We were apart for about a year. And then we ended up getting back together, realizing kind of both of what we were doing wrong that got us there. And we, we kind of became a, a unique statistic in that we... We'd already filed and signed the divorce papers, but the lawyer never submitted them. So we weren't officially divorced. And so we got back together and then we decided to kind of become students of relationships. And we, we read a lot of books. We studied a lot of stuff. We, we focused on ourselves and, and kind of filling ourselves up before we got into each other. That culminated into us writing a book about relationships. And then we had a podcast called the Not So Perfect Couple Podcast. We did about 80 episodes, I think. Anyway, rolling back to the business side of it. See, this, like I told you, it wasn't a short story. <laughs> it's okay. On the business side, we kind of blew that company up. Um, I bought out my partners in 2012. And then I sold that company in 2016. So um, Salt Lake's always been a good place to invest. But we purchased a home when we moved there in 2002. And uh, we put a second story on it. And it became kind of one of the nicest houses on our street at that point. And then when our kids kind of were off at college and doing their own thing, we, we had more house than we needed. So we sold that 2015, I think. And then we had some decent equity in that. I bought two, about two rental properties. And then we also bought the house that we were going to move into in the sugar house area. And, and then after buying that house a month later, somebody came up and said that they wanted to buy it for me. And I'm like, okay, well, you cover all the real estate fees, transaction fees, and uh, I want 50,000 profit. And they said, okay. And I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> I sold, we flipped that house in like three months. And then we had to live there. I had to rent it back from her because we didn't have any place to live. And we bought another house. So we had at some, at one point, so like we had like six doors and then the, our primary resident, which we had on Airbnb. We actually went and lived in Baja for six months. I mean, sorry, for uh, two and a half months, drove down there and lived there, put our house on Airbnb. I hated property management. Um, I didn't want to hire a property manager and have them water down my, uh, 
water down any like my monthly profit that I was making on those houses. But you know, I also didn't like going over there to help two girls change a light bulb because you know they didn't understand that that's how the lights worked. So I shouldn't say that either. I had there was two guys over there either that told me the toilet was broken and I took the lid off and hooked the chain back up. So it's a guy and a girl thing. Um, but uh, so we and then I'm I'm like really good at speculating on real estate shaking my head now because it, i'm like there's no way that property values can continue going up in salt lake i gotta get out of these houses while i can still make a tidy little profit on them and then just invest that money because i'm super smart with my other investments shaking my head no again um so i took i took the money out of both i sold both of those properties um one i sold for just under 400 it was a triplex and then the other one i sold for so it was like 280, but I'd only paid 240 for it or something. So I, I mean, I made a little bit of money on both of those. Um, they would both probably work double today. <laughs> when did you sell them? What's that? What What year did you sell them in? I sold them in 2018 and very beginning of 2019, I think. So as you know, in a smart, if I'd have been more smart about it, I would have kept the homes not complain about the fact that I'm not making 10% on my investment a month, you know what I mean? Uh, and just held on to the, um, the real estate value. But I knew better. The market in Sully couldn't sustain those, those prices. And then it did. I don't think you were wrong. I, I think you were just early. Well, I bet $100,000 on a weed company that turned out to be fraud. So there went all the profit from the triplex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The other monies that we invested over that time, we sold our um one was a good, it was a really good multifamily REIT that's done everything they said they were gonna do. Um, another one was another multifamily REIT that did nothing they said they were gonna do, and we just barely got back our break-even money. So I basically lent him money for three years to mismanage a multifamily and break even. So we've done a lot of stuff like that. I'm not the the best person to uh, talk to when it comes to like choosing winners and investing. I can, I have made a ton of mistakes. And so um, I'm really good at hindsight. Uh, if anybody wants to pick <laughs> my brain on that, right when you think the market's peaked, it probably has a little more to give. So hold, that's one. Except for now, I'm pretty sure you don't want to buy right now. Um, <laughs> And then, you know, when it comes to the other investments, uh, if it seems like a, a home run winner and it's going to pay, they're promising more than 20%, more than 15%, it's probably not going to, probably not going to pay off. So stick, stay semi-conservative on your investments unless you have that money to lose. It's basically like gambling, right? It's the exact same thing. When I go to Vegas, um, when I was young and didn't have any money, it was $200, right? That's it. I'll, I'll gamble 200 bucks. And that's all. Now I'm older. I've got considerable more money than I had then. And my number is $250. <laughs> that's good. It's like, I just don't, I don't like, so, but I wasn't the same with a lot of my investments. So with investing, I think that you should kind of be a little bit more intentional. Um, talk to a lot of people. Um, one of the smartest things I did was in 2015, I joined the uh, GoBundance Mastermind. Since I joined that, I've been talking to a lot of smart people. Um, and so I've gotten a little bit better about a lot of that stuff. Um, a little more deliberate, you know, not lazy. It's not like, oh, I've got some money laying around. I need to get that invested before the end of the year and not talk to anybody and just go with the first guy that comes across your desk. Um, 
Yeah. So um, a lot of that stuff is, you know, paid off. Um, we're semi-retired now. I still have. So in 2016, I sold a company called Agile Supply Chain Strategies. That's still around Salt Lake. And uh, I kept the equity, not the equity, I'm sorry. I kept the uh, software and the consulting side of it, which I still do today. I have a handful of clients. Um, we do software development and consulting for e-commerce companies, uh, namely 3PLs. Um, so I still have that, that bit of vertical income um, that doesn't require a ton of my time. And um, we travel a lot. Been to, since 2015, I've been to, you ready for this? Yep. All right. Peru, Vietnam, Japan, uh, Switzerland, Italy, France, uh, Netherlands, Iceland, Sweden, Alaska, Antarctica, Mexico, multiple times, Greece, uh, Peru. Did I say Peru? Yeah. Chile. Peru, Chile, um, Jamaica, Antigua, uh, British Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, Panama, Belize. Oh, that's most of them. That's a lot. I, you know, I mean, just thinking about like the average American, that's probably more than most people travel in their lifetime. And you've done it since 2015. So uh, what, what allowed you to travel like that? And then I want to jump back and talk about uh, investing in your own business that you control versus uh, other companies. So what, what allowed you to travel? Um, well, every time we have like an equity event, we'd set a little money aside for travel. Um, that was one, um, having a lot of my own businesses, uh, and then traveling with the mastermind group, it's a business write off. So you can kind of justify that to a degree. It's mostly that stuff. Cool. So you have an equity event, you sell some equity in your company, you sell a rental property, whatever you set a certain amount aside, your yeah. travel. I think that's brilliant because what most people do is they'll just reinvest all of it. Right. And while that's good, you know, I think too often we probably get too concerned on trying to maximize our return on investment and forget that the whole reason we are investing, right, which is to live a better life yeah. uh, in, in many different ways. There's other reasons, obviously, too. But I, I love that you guys do that because I think too often, you know, and you and I were talking before we got on um, the podcast that you know, like too often people kind of just get stuck in a rut and just go for it. Right. So they're, they end up being in a job they hate for 40 years. Right. And, you know, like, I don't want that for my kids. I certainly don't want that for myself. It sounds like that's never anything you wanted for your life, just based on your entrepreneurial journey. I think that's a great strategy that you guys, you know, reward yourself for having some delayed gratification and investing in something, whether it's a business or a property or whatever. So yeah, that's that's one of the things I learned a little later. I'm just turned 56. Um, so when I joined GoBundance, I was 48 or something like that. Um, I I always thought that I was pretty smart and I could figure shit on my own. Sorry, can you cuss on this podcast? Um, and uh, <laughs> and that was like probably one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. Like I remember being in the early 90s. I was working construction and hustle and Amway. And, but I read like four Tony Robbins books. I read, you know, think and grow rich. I read all these, these awesome books. And, uh, but I just wasn't ready at that time, you know, to like hear them 
and implement what they were trying to say. So here I am back at 40, 45, 46, 47, 48, and people are handing me all these books again. I'm like, I already read that. I'm like, so I read it again. And I'm like, holy crap, why didn't I listen to this when I was 25? (laughs) (laughs) So then, then, you know, being, being almost 50, all my mentors are like guys your age. I'm like, so what do you, Jordy, what do you think about this piece of property? You know, how should I go about investing in that? And so um, I used to joke around one of my friends is Matt Aitchison who flips houses and um, I was like you're what did I tell him I was like you remind me a lot of myself at my age or something like that and the guy's like 30 but um, yeah so the one piece of advice I would throw at everybody is you're never too old to have a mentor and don't get hung up on how old they are either um, you can learn something from everybody and you should always try to learn as much as you can from everybody especially if it's if it's has to do with your money um and don't ever think you're smarter than everybody in the room because that's usually when you make your biggest mistakes so that's one the other huge uh thing that i learned is um when it comes to parenting and relationships um we get so wrapped up in our i don't know our grind or our our basically where we tell ourselves that you know, I'm, I'm going to work my 80, 90 hours this, you know, a week for the next five years, because then I'll be able to take a step back. Right. But you miss so much stuff during all of that time. So balance is super important and being intentional is very important. And presence, the smartphone thing came up while I'm a parent, right? I've never, nobody had ever had a smartphone before we had bricks, you know, that we talked into from time to time. And um, I didn't text because I couldn't figure out the number thing. And then smartphones come along and we start thinking that we're smart and I mean, we can look at our phone and listen to our kids or listen to our wife and we can't, you know, it's, I call it, there's no such thing as multitasking. There's tasking and then there's ignoring and you're doing one or the other, or usually sometimes both. That's as good as you can get at multitasking. You can task over here while you ignore over there. So, um, and it, you know, eventually after having grown kids, you're like, man, I could have done a better job if I paid more attention. So um, being intentional in our relationships is super important along your journey. And then giving yourself a little reward along the way too, because like you said, like we were talking about, what's it all for? You know, when you pull into the driveway and you're super stressed out, you've had a really tough day, don't freaking go in the house, you know, sit there for five minutes, breathe, Remember this, that tough day was so you could go in and have a killer time with your family. So you go in and have a killer time with your family um, and spend a little bit along the way, man, reward yourself. We were talking, so my wife and I were talking about this a couple of years ago and she's like, well, you know, I feel like we need to save more money so I can have this security. And I'm like, great. Well, I feel like I only have a handful of years left of health to be able to do whatever I want, whenever I want. So we got to, we got to establish some balance between giving you security, but also enjoying what we have right now. You know, my dad always used to tell me, I'm sad. I want to set something aside for you and Steve. And, you know, it was my brother and I'm like, don't, we can take care of ourselves. Go enjoy it. You built it, enjoy it, spend it, go somewhere, do something. But, um, and so it did, it is frustrating me to see people like, so wound up in, um, in building wealth that they're they're letting the most important things slide you know as far as their relationships with their wife and kids and they're also um we know we have a couple of friends that are worth you know eight figures and they don't do anything they just keep hoarding it and it's like why you're getting older you're in your 50s now you know what i mean enjoy it so yeah 
man, that that's gold. I, I hope everyone that's listening takes four minutes and rewinds and listens to that four minutes again, because that that's just gold. Everything you said in there, like you could take all of those, you know, if you want to call them sound bites or whatever, there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said. And, you know, as you were talking about, you know, being on your phone and then you're ignoring the other thing, uh, I've got three little kids at home. So we have a five month old, uh, almost three year old and an almost eight year old, right? And it's true. Like if if my phone buzzes and, you know, it's something with work or something with one of our properties or whatever, you know, and I pick that up and all of a sudden that's, that's where my attention's at. And even my two-year-old, right? Like actually our five-month-old is aware enough to realize if I'm engaged with her or not. Right. Right. And, and there I've noticed there's a noticeable difference when I'm sitting here on my phone and, you know, it's not like maliciously or bad intent or anything like that. It's just like something pops up and I'm like, oh, type A, I'm like, oh, I'll take care of it. But then I I realize I look down at her and she just like, I just feel like she's sad. And then she beams when she realizes like, oh, dad's paying attention to me. Right. And, and so if a five month old, five months, if you can tell that at five months, you know, like how does my two and a half year old feel and how's my eight year old feel? How's my wife feel, right? If I'm not intentional. So let's go into the book a little bit. I because I haven't read it yet. I want to. Uh, but tell tell me about it. Why did you guys write it? What's it about? Where can people find it? Books called um well, we started out the first iteration was called Bigger Love. Um I, I thought, oh, we're from Utah, that'll be really funny. Um, because it's <laughs> <Is> the <that> polygamy. <laughs> So, um, but nobody really got it. And so, and then my wife wanted to rework it and add, she's like, you know, we, we have a lot of stuff that we've written in the book that's actually backed up by science and studies. And I want to add some of that bibliography to it. And so we reworked it and um, she did a lot of that work. And so she got to name, rename the book. It's called Marriage from Miserable to Magnificent, um, how to keep the love of your life for the rest of your life. Um, and then uh, it's on Amazon on it's on audible it's it's pretty much out there on all of the well i think i don't know i haven't tried to buy it in a while um that <laughs> yeah no it's on so, amazon i just looked it up we wrote it because we had we just we were, a lot of people kept asking us what did you guys do what did you guys do i'm having trouble with my wife we had our at one point we had at least six different guys sleeping on our couch or in our guest bedroom because they're you know, there and their wives separated and they're trying to figure out what to do next and they came to us because they wanted us to give them advice you know and so at one point we we're at some some event and somebody's like everybody should write a book and so sam and i were talking and she's like what do you think you would write a book about and i'm like i have no idea i don't really feel like i have anything to to offer um and then she's like, well, what if we wrote one about relationships? And I'm like, oh, we have learned a lot of stuff along the way there. So let's give it a go. And so we did. And uh, we argued for like a month straight about, we didn't even get past the introduction. And um, and then uh, that was chapter one, I think we started arguing. So we had already established a title for our second book before we even got into an agreement about chapter one. And the second book was going to be called how writing a book about successful relationships ruined our relationship. And, 
<laughs> but then we had the idea. I was like, Sam, you know, like self-love means something to you. And it means a lot more. So like she can go really deep on that. And where I'm still scratching the surface on it. And I'm like, why don't we just write our own opinions about what we want to. So we write the title of the chapter and then we would both write it in our own voice. Um, and we wrote it from a he said, she said perspective where um, like we have a chapter in there on jealousy and I can tell you how um, I've had unhealthy, you know, bouts with jealousy in my life and how they've never worked out and she doesn't understand it at all. So <laughs> her, 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 like she said on that chapter is very short, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's written from that point of view, which I think kind of makes it unique. Yeah. Um, so we wrote it for those reasons. Um, we're pretty proud of it. And uh, yeah, did I answer your question or did I ramble? Yeah, no, you totally answered it. Um, and, and thanks for being vulnerable and sharing that, you know, uh, even when you're writing a book about relationships, your relationship doesn't have to be perfect. But if you're, you know, what I heard you say was if you're sharing what you've learned and, you know, I mean, as long as you're working on improving your marriage, I think that's the most important thing, right? Because like you're an imperfect being, she's an imperfect being, and the two of you will never make a perfect marriage. And I think that's unfortunately a lot of a maybe stigma or idea that people have is, oh, well, I'm married. Everything should be perfect, right? Our relationship. Well, it's not their fault. So they've been sold a giant pile of crap ever since they were little kids and they started watching Disney. You know, you get married, you fall in love and you live happily ever after. Just absolute horseshit. So, um, and, and, and even, even all the way down to like in love, right. When you get, when you first fall in love, you got the butterflies, you got the, you know, you, you can't focus, you know what I mean? There's just that you, you can't get enough of each other. And people think that that's, um, that's the first year and a half or maybe two years of a relationship. And then it, it hopefully evolves into another kind of love, which is even better. Right. Um, and it keeps doing that, but we're sold, you know, by Hollywood that you're supposed to have that crazy, that mad love that, you know, that the whole time. And it's just not, it doesn't work that way. You know, mm -hmm. you can have bouts of it. You can get that back for, you know, you can go on a date and just, and feel that all over again, but you don't feel it you know, 24 seven, like you do in the beginning. And it's, that's why it's called mad love and crazy love because the, it releases a chemical in your brain that makes you freaking stupid. <laughs> so and thank God we don't have that our whole lives, but. Well, yeah, let's, I, I want to jump back. I know we're kind of bouncing all over the place here, but I want to jump back uh, into why you've in, bet on yourself with your businesses. Cause mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of the times, especially for me, man, it is super easy for me to go, okay, you know, I've got call $50,000, like I'm going to go deploy it by buying this rental property, right? I know what the rent is. I know what the payment's going to be. I know what repairs and maintenance is going to be. So this is my return on investment. And when when you're in the business world, and I struggle with this, so I'm, I'm selfishly asking the question for me. Um it's hard to quantify like, man, if I hire somebody for 50,000 bucks a year, like what kind of a return am I going to get? And that may sound uh, weird, but you know, I mean, it's just something that I'm figuring out, right? Like I, I think I was blessed for a, a brain with numbers, but that's also a hindrance when it comes to stuff like this and growing my businesses, because I'm kind of at a point now where like, 
I've got so much going on that I can't do everything myself. Right. And, you know, it hasn't been that way. Like I've got a couple of sales guys on my team, a couple of admin, but like, I, I, I don't know what it's like to grow a business to the point where you can have, you know, a big exit. Um, but you do. So kind of walk me through that process and what that was like um, is my question from when you started betting on yourself to when you had your exit. The betting on myself part was, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm unique in that. I just have, I just know I'm, you know, my wife's like, I'm, you know, I'm worried about this or that. And I'm like, I'm not worried about it. And then it turns out and it's just fine. So that, that part, I don't know how duplicatable that is. And then I also want to qualify that most of my exits were premature and, and could have been way bigger had I sought, had I done things different, you know what I mean? So from a hindsight standpoint, yeah, I've had exits and, and I created capital that way, but it wasn't probably as big and as good as it could have been. Um, but that being said, uh, I'll give you an example real quick on that. So when I sold my share in SkyMail International, um, we divided up all the assets and cut it in half. And the guy wrote me a check and, uh, there was nothing over the van. The van's worth 20 grand. So 10 grand for the van. Uh, this is how much we have in accounts receivable, uh, and it divided it in half. And I think my number on that was, this is 1993, maybe. I think my number on that was like 75 grand or something. And he sold that company. Uh, he sold an interest in just the so he sold the international portion which is the only part i owned and he'd gone on and create blown it up and created a domestic arm for two million to dhl like two two or three years later you know what i mean so that was one of my anyway exit wise not always the best but betting on myself um and and then when it comes to to hiring and 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 duplicating and that kind of thing um that, that part's kind of critical. So you know what you need to look at is what is my highest dollar productive uh, thing that I could be doing, right? So whether that's analyzing deals or, I mean, for you, I don't know what it is, but if I look at what is the, what is the one thing that I can make the most money if I'm out doing, then I try to create as much um, time for myself to do that by delegating everything else. Right. Yeah. So with me, it's twofold sales and building relationships um, is how I'll, I'll make and keep, you know, most of my clients. Um, but I also have to make sure that the data they're getting back after they give it all to me is spot on accurate and they trust it. Right. So that's the part I always had a hard time letting go of. Um, and, uh, but I have over the years, I've let go of a lot of clients. I have uh, subcontractors that do the work for me. And, um, you know, when you, you finding good people is the other, is the other thing that I would say that if I could go back, I would do spend a little more time on. So it's like sales and building relationships, um, and creating, creating a product that customers can't live without. Um, but then I might, go back and carve a little bit of time out to finding really, really good people to train so that I can go out build more relationships, create more sales and that kind of thing. So if you look at it that way, um, you can't afford not to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what do you, what do you look for in a person 
that's a you know really really good person as you said <laughs> well there's another <laughs> there's another place where i've i've really made bad choices in partners and and uh people that i've worked with but um it people that are i i look for somebody that um that is a self-starter that i don't need to look over their shoulder right um but I think there needs to be a mix of somebody that's willing to take um, some criticism and willing to accept um, constructive criticism anyway along how you want things done and and spending the time to make sure that they're generating the product that you're proud of, right? So um, I was a little too loose where I wanted people to kind of create their own methods and do their own thing. And then later I'd be upset because of how the outcome turned out, you know? And, and so there's a little bit of internal strife with some, some people that I worked with along the way, as far as that went. Um, so yeah, going back, I'd be really, really deliberate about who I hire. And I'd also be super quick if my gut told me that this person wasn't working out to get rid of them. That was the one thing I probably did the worst is I kept people around way too long and it costs a lot more money. And, you know, there's, there's more pain by doing that in the end when, you know, you start, you start convincing yourself that you can't live without certain people because you don't want to do that work again. Right. But when every time when I kept those people around for a year or two years longer than I needed to, the, the separation wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, and replacing them was a lot more uh, painless than I thought it was going to be. And then upon replacing them, um, I didn't make the same mistakes with the second people that I brought in. So, yeah, I've, I've definitely hired people that maybe weren't the best fit <laughs> before and had to learn that lesson. So, and you kind of know that when you hire them, you're like, well, I've interviewed 26 people. This one's the best of the 26. They're not perfect, but you know, I think I can, I'm, it'll, I need to get somebody in that spot and you just, you do it. So, so you knew in the beginning, your gut did, that the person wasn't quite exactly who you thought you needed, but you tried to mold them anyway. And then it didn't work out, but they've come far enough that you don't really want to get rid of them because you, it was really hard to find them to begin with. And so, I don't know. I think if, so what I'm, what I'm saying, you're always looking for good people. You're always looking for good people, no matter if you've got the best team on the planet or not. Because if you find that good person, it's like, okay, I this guy i could make a lot of money with this guy i need to figure out how to get him into the fold and how we do that in other words it's just another investment right you're like okay i'm gonna make a little bit less for the next six months but after that we should be able to triple what we were doing by myself so yeah it's a good point it's a really good point what what's next for you i don't know i'm kind of trying to decide i've got a couple of accountability partners they're trying to get me to grow my vertical income business um i've somebody else is trying to tell me I should just sell it. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what to do with Freight Logic, which is that company. And uh, um, as far as investments go, we got a lot more conservative in the last couple of years and really smart and invested in the stock market um, in the beginning of 2020, <laughs> 2022. Um, yeah, so... Speculation is something I'm not going to do a ton of in the future, um, but I don't know. We're, we're kind of in a in a good kind of cruise control position right now, so um, I do feel 
like we we live in a canab area and i really like what's going on with real estate in this area and so um i'm actually getting a real estate license just so that i have it in my back pocket and uh i i i love real estate so a commercial property might be in my future i used to think i wanted to travel all the time and, and see the rest of the world and there's still a lot of places i want to go but i'm kind of also looking forward to um you know staying home a little more there's so many places like within 10 miles of where i live that i haven't even seen so yeah so i i mean why did you move to Kanab? um well we salt lake uh we were there over 20 years and i just the air quality there is just so bad i mean it used to be a couple months or not even a couple months three or four weeks out of the winter you'd have some bad inversion at various times and that was it but the inversion seems to last like all winter long now and then we get Frickin' California's smoke from the for all summer long. And uh, you know, living on the bench in Salt Lake, we just always are breathing that air, always coughing, and just I don't know, we kind of wanted to get out of there because we work from home anyway. So we could we can live wherever we want. Why would we want to live there? That was our thinking. Canab, we love. We've driven through here several times on the way to Lake Powell. Um, it is a little bit remote. Um having a brew pub would be great. You know, a place where you go have a beer and watch a game. I can't do that here. I love golf and I got to drive an hour in either direction just to get on a tee, you know. So Canab's a little bit remote, um, but it is kind of up and coming. So, yeah. and I do love like some of the hiking and the outdoors and that kind of thing. So we, we want to be closer to nature. We were cabin in the mountain, house on the beach. Thought that's what we wanted, but um Kanab kind of has the best of both of that, really, the high mountain desert. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Every time we've driven through it, uh, it's just, it's beautiful. Red Rocks, if you know anyone doesn't know where Kanab is, they should Google it because it's uh, very similar to Moab, just way less uh, trafficked because there's, you know, you don't have a couple of national parks right there. Um, but you're right. I mean, there is a ton of stuff to do. I know a bunch of people who go down there and, you know, side by side and hike and, do a bunch of stuff outdoors there's there's tons of we, we don't have any right we're not in a national park like moab is but zion the east entrance to zion is 40 minutes away um the north rim of the grand canyon is an hour and 15 minutes away lake powell's an hour away bryce canyon's an hour and 15 minutes away i mean there's a ton of stuff as far as jumping off from here goes yeah yeah no, it'd be a great base camp for sure well, we may uh, we may have to connect more on some cannabis real estate um, and opportunities down there because I think you're right. So, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I always ask a couple questions at the end of the podcast, and I just want to be sensitive to your time. So, with with your permission, let's let's go there if you're okay with it. Yep. Cool. So, uh, I think you already gave it, but I'm, I'm going to ask it and see if you give different advice, but what's the one piece of advice that you'd start to somebody or that you'd give to somebody who's just starting out on their path to financial freedom? Mentors, find mentors as many as you can and, um, and talk to them often. Um, find somebody that's doing exactly what you want and, and find and see if you can get a little bit of time with them because that's the, probably the most successful people I know, um, they love two things. They love finding things and making a success out of them and then talking about how they found those things and made a success out of them. 
And so if you're, if you're willing to be a student and listen, um, most people that are successful will love to give you a little bit of their time. So. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. Well, yeah. Knowing what you know now, uh, what would you have done differently on your journey? Oh, geez. I think I highlighted everything along the way as what I would have done differently. So the most important thing that I would do differently would be, uh, uh, folk trying to implement more and more presence in my life, you know, with, with the kids and the wife, um, mostly the kids though, because I did become a lot more deliberate after 10 years with my wife. Um, but I think we'd already screwed up our kids by then. So that one would be one. Uh, the other thing I would do differently, I talked about all the things I would do differently with my investments. Um, so already, but and I, and I would have gone back at a younger age. I mean, I read books that told me I should get a mentor, but I think the going back to the very beginning, the one thing I would do way differently would be to seek out exactly what I just said, you know, about mentors and find that. And because and, what a shortcut that is, you know, if somebody can tell you all the mistakes they made and how to succeed, I mean, that's 20 years of my life that I could have avoided as far as from a business standpoint you know, before I figured that out. So don't wait until you're 47 to figure that crap out. Do it now. <laughs> you are 47. It's never freaking too late. And don't be embarrassed about asking somebody younger than you how they succeeded. It doesn't matter. Where can people find out more about you and um, get in touch if they want? Uh, we have a website called biggerlove.com. Uh, my email is patrick at biggerlove. And so that's easy. Um, but, you know, the book's out there, the podcast is out there um, on most podcast platforms called the Not So Perfect Couple Podcast. We interview anything that we feel like might help strengthen your relationship from um, communication standpoint. We have a great interview with a guy who's actually from Salt Lake named Joseph Brenning. It's my favorite podcast that we did. He wrote a book called, um, well, he's written, written several books, but uh Crucial Conversations, we think, is the best business relationship and parenting book that's out there. It's written for business, but it really works in the other two facets. Yeah. We read a lot of parenting books, and we don't feel like any of them worked. So, <laughs> um, But that, that podcast is the Not So Perfect Couple podcast. And then before that, we had another iteration called the Doggy Style podcast, where we interviewed um, successful couples and we wanted to interview going to get more of the feel from you've got like the outspoken you know the in most successful couples it's rare that they're both you know stage presences there's one that's a stage presence there's another one's behind the scenes so we would interview couples like that and talk to, we wanted to hear from the person behind the scenes you know kind of how they make their relationship work and and what that dynamic is like but that that podcast became difficult um, to find quality guests. So we shifted it to the not so perfect couple one. Mm. All that's, I think, on our website. Perfect. Perfect. Well, dude, I enjoyed getting to know you more. Uh, enjoyed your story. So thanks for coming on. No problem, bud. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Financially Free Investor. If you found value in this episode or know someone who would find value in this information, please share with them, subscribe, and send us a review.